This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Father, you are the giver of all good gifts. Pray, help us hear your voice, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and may our lives bear fruit, good fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So this summer, I will have completed seven years serving here at Ascension. Got... Uh, they're keen to get rid of me, clearly. Um, but the fresh-faced sixth graders I met in 2015 are now strapping 18-year-olds. Um, the bespectacled ninth graders are now leading our college ministry. And the uh, high-flying seniors are now hard-working 20-somethings. And this summer, I've been graciously granted a sabbatical. So my plan is three months of praying, playing, and preparing for another seven years of youth ministry at Ascension. And in fact, my oldest daughter uh, will be in middle school this fall, so better start being good. But what would make the next seven years more fruitful than the last? How might I become more fruitful? Or, to put the question to you, how might you become more fruitful? How might the next seven years in your life look more fruitful than the last seven? So that's my big question this morning. According to God, what makes a person fruitful? What makes a person fruitful? Now, the word fruitful should hopefully remind us of something. And two of the readings we heard this morning, two of the scripture readings, remember Psalm 1, verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the waterside that will bring forth his fruit in season. A fruitful tree. Now, my wife loves orchards, loves fruit trees, loves the fall, loves going apple picking, cherry picking, and there's that smooth skin, the apple skin in the palm of your hand. There's the, the floral fruity smell. There's the sunlight dappling in through the leaves. There's the kids climbing the trees. She loves um, orchards. In fact, she told me yesterday she had a dream the night before in which we discovered this whole part of our yard that we hadn't known was there that was perfect for growing fruit trees. It's just a dream. It's just a dream. She loves fruit trees. I love fruit trees. My parents love fruit trees. They planted trees in our, my parents' garden back in Somerset, Somerset UK, not Somerset PA. Um, and they're kind of trees for me and my brother, trees for the grandkids. We love fruit trees. And I mean, a fruit tree in its glory is a beautiful thing. But what makes a person fruitful? Let's turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious. And it does not cease to bear fruit. Wow. To be fruitful even in a year of drought. Wouldn't we like to be compared to a fruitful tree with green leaves, free from fear, free from anxiety? 
Imagine being a fruitful friend, a fruitful spouse, a fruitful neighbor, a fruitful parent, a fruitful colleague, a fruitful Christian, someone in whom others glimpse God. Well, what makes a person fruitful? Jeremiah doesn't spell out what a fruitful person looks like. He's more interested in the cause of fruitfulness. But to kind of whet our appetites for a fruitful life, I'm going to share um, a reading from one of my uh, favorite books, um, Cornelius Plantinga's book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. He writes, This is a person who flourishes like a fine sapling rooted into the bank of a dependable stream. A spiritually whole person longs in certain classic ways. She longs for God and the beauty of God, for Christ and Christ's likeness, for the dynamite of the Holy Spirit and spiritual maturity. A fruitful person. He goes on, she longs for other human beings. She wants to love them and be loved by them. She hungers for social justice. She longs for nature, for beauties and graces, for the sheer particularity of the way of a squirrel with a nut. As we might expect, her longings dim from season to season. When they do, she longs to long again. She knows God is good. She also feels assured that God is good to her. Her faith secures her against the ceaseless oscillations of pride and despair familiar to every human being. A secure Christian, a fruitful tree. Are we like that? Will we be? Will the next seven years be more fruitful than the last seven? Or are we something else? Because Jeremiah 17 presents not just a fruitful tree, there is an alternative. Verse 6. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. A shrub in the desert parched thirsty. New York pastor and writer Tim Keller identifies this shrub as a dwarf juniper. And apparently the term Jeremiah uses comes from the Hebrew word for naked because the shrub had no leaves. It was seen as twisted, ugly, stunted, and naked. A fruitful tree or a stunted shrub. And we're invited to ask ourselves, which am I? And Jeremiah unsettles us further. He says, the heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? What makes a person a fruitful tree or a stunted shrub? Let's read. in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength 
whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. A stunted shrub or a fruitful tree. And Jeremiah identifies the one thing that's hard to see but makes all the difference. One thing. And he presents it in two different ways. One angle is the attitude of our hearts. And this attitude was mentioned three times. It's the most important word in this passage. It's the most significant factor in determining our fruitful trees or stunted shrubs. And the word is trust. Trust. Where do you put your trust? In the Lord or in mortal man? And the other angle on the same thing, also hard to see, in normal life are the roots of a tree. Where are your roots? Where is your trust? Because that's the answer to this first question. What makes a person fruitful? Jeremiah, it's where they put their roots, it's where they put their trust. That's what makes a person fruitful. A person is fruitful if they trust not in themselves, but in the Lord if they send out their roots to the stream, that dependable stream. Which prompts to me a second question. If the first is what makes a person fruitful and it's where they put their roots, where they put their trust. My second question is, well, where is my trust? Where are my roots? It's not easy to necessarily know. Our hearts are deceitful. Root concealer is not just a matter of the hair, it's a matter of the heart. Where are my roots? Where is my trust? Let's dig into the root metaphor. Now, two main roles that a root system plays in the life of a tree. And I'm thankful for Julie Whitmer, who is a youth group mum and a horticulturalist for some insights here. Roots provide stability and nutrients stability and nutrients. Stability like the foundation of a house. The root system helps the tree survive the worst of the weather. The wind may howl, but the tree stands firm. Roots provide stability. And roots provide nutrients. The roots seek out water in which are dissolved nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, iron, etc. that are necessary for the tree to grow and be fruitful. So much for a tree, what about your heart? Where do you put your trust? Well, let's think about stability and nutrients. Stability, when life knocks you sideways, when you've had a bad day at work or at school, when you've had a painful conversation, upsetting news, where do you go for stability? To bounce back. What helps you recover? 
Is it the Lord who says, I will never leave you or forsake you? Or someone or something else? The fridge, the Netflix series, the friend, the family member. This is where you are putting your trust. This is where you are sending your roots, where you go for stability. What about nutrients? Former Archbishop William Temple once said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. When you don't have to think about a task or a responsibility, what do you think about? Where does your mind drift? Where do you go for sweetness, for restoration, for comfort, for nutrients? What brings a quiet smile to your face? That's where you're putting your trust, sending your roots. Is it the Lord who loves you and gave himself for you? Or someone or something else? Different people get a different sources of nutrients. Some will smile quietly as they think about things. The new kitchen, the new car, the new clothes. Others will smile quietly as they think about relationships, the friend, the partner, the kids, the grandkids. Others will smile quietly as they think about achievements, the recognition, the victories, the approval. Where do you send your roots? Where do you put your trust? And none of these things are bad things. They can be good things. But if your roots only go that far, you'll never reach the stream. God will never be your ultimate source of stability and nutrients. And when the heat comes, your leaves will turn brown. When you can't get the things or the relationships or the achievements that you crave, only God is that dependable stream. Everything else will twist you and leave you stunted and thirsty. Put your trust in things, you'll be thirsty. The new kitchen makes the rest of the house look shabby. New cars don't look good for long on Pittsburgh roads. And new clothes quickly become old clothes. And the nicer the stuff, the more protective and stressy we are about it. Leaves us thirsty. What about relationships? Relationships are great. But the more you crave them, the harder it is for you to be in them. And people change. And they move on and they get sick. And we may all want to be dependable, but we're only human. And time flies. And if we make other people, our stability and nutrients will be left thirsty. And achievements. I mean, I'm tempted by all of this, especially achievements. That's the lie that I'll have peace and rest when I've done everything brilliantly. But there's always more to do. And there are always others more gifted and harder working. There's no rest down that path, just stress and anxiety. If we make achievements, our stability and nutrients would just be left thirsty. What makes you anxious that most directly might reveal your roots, where you're putting your trust. Because if we put our trust in God, we need not be anxious. Paul writes in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
Come to the dependable stream. And he writes, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's stability. That's nutrients. Send out your root to the stream. Put your trust in God. But how? How do we send out our root to the stream? If we know that the fruitful person is someone who puts their trust in God, who sends out their roots to the stream, we realize, well, maybe we don't do that. How can we do that? How do we send out our roots to the stream? We're all tempted to put our trust in ourselves. That's our fallen human autopilot. That's our default mode. How do we push through the things, the relationship achievements, to reach out, to connect with God? Here's a bit of good news. Roots grow in a dry spell. That's what my horticulturalist friend pointed out. If you want to grow tomatoes, tomatoes, um, you give them a lot of water and then you leave them dry for days and their roots grow. Maybe there's a spiritual insight here. Do you feel dry, distant, disconnected from God? Maybe God is growing your roots, cultivating your thirst, and that's why you're here this morning. The famous Augustine quote, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So how do we send out our roots to the stream? And there are lots of spiritual practices we could recommend. Worship, contemplation, silence and solitude, prayer and community, fasting. Fasting, we're coming up to Lent. We'll have opportunities to do that. But the most important thing for sending out your roots to the stream is to allow yourself to feel your thirst for God. Allow yourself to realize how parched you are, that only he can satisfy and you're not satisfied. Release that inner cry, Lord, meet me, speak to me, be with me, bear fruit through me. Do you feel your thirst for God? If so, here are two practical things you can do. One, everyone can do. The second, you can do if you're free on Saturday morning. So the first for everyone is to pick up your bulletin and read again Psalm 1 verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night and he shall be a tree planted by the waterside meditating on the word. What if for the next three days you set a 10-minute countdown on your phone? Beginning of the day, end of the day, whenever it's going to be a quiet time, 10 minutes, a countdown. Or if you're like a hipster, turn over your sand hourglass um, just for 10 minutes and read maybe Psalm 1, maybe Jeremiah 17, something from the bulletin and admit to God, Lord, I'm thirsty for you. Speak to me. Be near to me and listen and pray and read and listen and pray and read for 10 minutes. Why not agree to do this with a friend? And after three days, share what you heard, what you experienced, as you're sending out your roots. If not with a friend, email me what you've heard and encourage me. That's the first option. All can do that. We all have these bulletins. And the second thing is come to Soul Care this Saturday morning, 9.30. 
You can read more about it on the green sheet. You have to sign up online. There's a beautiful graphic online that says, soul care, silent prayer, scripture reading, individual reflection. If you're feeling that thirst for God, send out your roots. You can do this. We can do this together. And here's a bonus final practical thing that a friend was telling me about after I actually printed this, so it's not in here. But he normally takes the bus to work. You know, commuting, downtown, headphones. But he thought, no, I want to walk that distance and pray. So instead of the usual routine, the usual distractions, he walked and he prayed. He was sending out his roots, and God gave him real clarity on some things. That's another thing you can do. Go for a walk and pray. Because wouldn't it be wonderful if the next seven years were so much more fruitful than the last seven? And what makes a person fruitful? If they put their trust, not in themselves, but in the Lord, sending out their roots to the stream, the dependable stream. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you made us for yourself. Pray, draw us, meet us, satisfy us, and may we bear fruit for you. In Jesus' name, amen.